the Women of Color STEM Conference presents the Alumni Welcome Reception, a professional development seminar featuring trustee for Tuskegee University, Norma Clayton, Global Manufacturing Chief Engineer for Performance Vehicles for General Motors, Sandra McNeil, Director of Engineering and Technology for Quicken Loans, Manali Sapri, and the founder and CEO of Trans-Pacific Communications, Dottie Lee. Without further delay, the Women of Color STEM Conference presents the Alumni Welcome Reception. Good evening. Good evening. Now y'all can do better than that. Y'all just came over there from spending time with Ty and you gave him a nice big resounding good evening. Good evening. All right, all right, fantastic. Well, welcome, welcome so much. Um, I have a question before we get started. How many of you are here at the Women of Color STEM Conference for the very first time? Oh my God, look at that. That is fantastic. I'm so excited. You know, one of the things that we always worry about is getting the same people every year. This way we're spreading the knowledge out there by getting new people in every year. So I'm really excited to have you all here with us this evening. Um, one of the things that I wanted to share with you before we get started is that I want you to do three things for me tonight. I want you to relax, I want you to re-engage, and then throughout the conference, I want you to reassess, okay? So I want you to just keep those three R's in mind as you go through the next couple of days. I also want you to leave the office behind. Now, I know that's easier said than done, but one thing that I will tell you after 35 years in leadership is you have to leave the office behind. So before we get started, I want to tell you just a little bit about who I am. And I think we've got a, oh, hold on here. It's going to go back. I'm looking for a slide here. Doesn't look like it's in the pack. So I'll just tell you who I am. My name is Norma Clayton, and I am a retired vice president from the Boeing company. I retired from Boeing three years ago after leading their learning, training, and development organization. I am an engineer by degree, so I certainly identify with many of you. My background is in industrial engineering and finance. So um, today in my retired life, um, I'm still not sitting around like most retirees do. I run a wealth management company and I also chair the board of trustees for Tuskegee University. And I sit on the board of trustees for the New Jersey Institute of Technology. And I'm also involved in another group called the Global Leadership Forum, which is all about building programs for women in STEM. So I love STEM, and uh, we're going to have a great time tonight. A couple of things that, thank you. So I have the pleasure tonight of opening up the conference, and this is a true honor for me to be able to stand before you and get you connected to a wonderful experience that you're gonna have over the next couple of days. A couple of things that I want you to keep in mind as you're going through the conference. The first one is that this conference is really designed as a development opportunity. Yes, it has a career fair associated with that, but this is a time for you to get some real development. 
It's a time for you to gain insights. So when you go to the breakfast of leaders and legends, sit with some of those le legends, get their pearls of wisdom, and figure out how you can take some of those things and institutionalize them into your leadership style and your leadership brand. This is also an opportunity for you to have dialogue and to collaborate with one another. And we're gonna start that tonight. So I want you to get real comfortable um, with the people who are around you. You can be vulnerable. This is a safe place for you for the next couple of days. So get to know somebody new. Don't just go to seminars where you already have a strength in that area. Really work on those areas that are gaps for you and you'll find that you'll be much stronger. You have to lean into fear, you can't run from it. We also want you to be inspired. You're gonna hear from some terrific leaders. Um, our, our 2019 Technologist of the Year, Dr. Pamela McCauley, I've known her forever. And I am so excited to see her be recognized this coming Saturday. So you ought to get around her and learn from her. She is a wonderful, wonderful resource. And then the last thing we want you to do at this conference is to go back and take some bold steps. You heard Ty talk earlier about, you know, he's tired of being quiet. We can't be quiet. Understand what you want and then take some bold steps. And you're going to hear a little bit about that tonight from our panelists. Also, I want you to remember that you're running your own race. You cannot run a race for someone else. You have to run your own race. And so I want you to think about the pace that you want your race to be on and then go for it. Put a plan together and go for it. Finally, I want you to consider this to be an opportunity for you to explore. Um, you're going to see there's a lot of different seminars that are planned. I would like you to take an opportunity and explore some things that you may not have thought about um, doing before. And at the end of the conference, what I would ask you to do before you pack up to go home is jot down one or two key takeaways that you want to begin to focus on and put into your career development plan, your leadership brand, et cetera, and then go work on those. You can't, you can't get to your ultimate goal in leadership overnight. It takes time. And so it's these little bits and pieces of opportunities that allow you to get there. Uh, finally, a couple of housekeeping issues. Um, you're all wearing badges and you can see that there's a little um, barcode on there. You need to make sure that when you're going in and out of seminars that you scan those. That's where you're gonna get your continuing development units. So please make sure that you're scanning. And also, I know that you can attend everything. so. There is opportunity to get the highlights on social media, so you can log on to Twitter. Go to um, Women of Color Conference on Twitter. You can find in, uh, highlights there. And then also there's an app that is being used throughout the conference, so make sure that you download the app. Okay, so I know that when you bring a group of women together and you get into some deep conversations, we could be here all night long. Well, this room has to be refreshed for another event. So I'm going to encourage you at the end of the session not to leave the conversation behind. You all can continue it out in the hallway. There's all kinds of breakout areas on all these levels. 
continue those conversations and really listen and listen with intent with each other. So we have a gift tonight of three panelists. And when I read their bios, I was absolutely impressed with their backgrounds. And two of them are award winners. So even more impressive to be able to have a couple of award winners with us tonight. And I'm going to call up our first um, panelist and she is going to share about a five or seven minute story about herself. She's gonna talk about her journey, who she is, and then she's also going to spend a little bit of time giving us what I'll call a pearl of wisdom. She is incredibly dynamic. Let me just share a little bit about her background with you. Her name is, is Sandra McNeil, and she is right here from the Motor City. She works for General Motors. She is the Global Manufacturing Chief Engineer for Performance Vehicles, both compact sport vehicles, mid-sized vehicles, and utility vehicles. She has the pleasure of having the Corvette in her portfolio. She is also the first African-American female at General Motors to hold such a position. So she is a true trailblazer. Um, she is responsible for global manufacturing operations uh, across the world. And her job is to integrate world-class manufacturing capabilities into multiple um, manufacturing products. She supports 10 different sites throughout the US, Canada, Mexico, China, and Korea. And she has budget responsibility in excess of $585 million. And that $585 million impacts about 1.3 million units of product for General Motors. She is known as a change agent, and what I really love about her is that my background is manufacturing, her background is manufacturing. We are definitely results-oriented people. Um, she is a dynamic speaker, and she's going to come to the stage and talk to us a little bit about the importance of self-promotion. So she is going to give us a few tips for how you can proactively manage your career opportunities. At the end of her segment, we will have our, I will introduce our second speaker and then our third speaker, and then we are going to have a full-up session of Q&A. So listen with intent. And with that, I ask Sandra McNeil to join us on stage. Sandra, please. Well, thank you very much for the wonderful um, introduction and I'm very delighted to be here and have the opportunity to kind of share um, what I deem the secret sauce to my career trajectory. Um, but let me go ahead and fast forward to, through these slides here. Okay, first before we get started, just a little bit of background about myself. Um, although I work here in Detroit in the Motor City, I'm actually from Oklahoma City. I'm really a military brat. And I was actually born and raised in Germany, and then I moved to Oklahoma due to Tinker Air Force Base, and I actually went to Oklahoma State University, where I graduated with an electrical engineering degree. And so what I would share with you is that how does someone from Oklahoma end up here in this role? And this is definitely why. You have to be able to 
promote yourself because just sitting there and thinking, well, I can work really, really hard and they'll recognize how hard I'm working and the opportunities will come to me is not a realistic expectation, okay? So I'm gonna share some tips that have gotten me where I am today that I still use um, in my own career development today because I still have about another 15 to 20 years of work ahead of me and a very long runway. And I, I intend to continue to fly, okay? So hopefully you'll find some of this useful and then I look forward to some Q and A's at the end. So do you ever find yourself thinking that maybe you're capable of more than you're doing today or sometimes you're like, well, why do I keep getting passed up for these promotions or it finally happened, but it should have happened five years ago. So the three areas I wanna to touch upon today that really are important uh, when it comes to promoting yourself and taking control of your own career is around, um, you gotta have a brand first and foremost, right? You are a brand called you as well. So how you build your brand is very important. How you promote your brand is even more important. And then last but not least, you need to ask for what you deserve. You need to know your worth and you need to go forward and ask for it. Okay, so we're gonna spend a little bit of time talking through that. So one important thing that I'd like everybody to keep in mind, and most of us already know that, is that what you do today will impact your career in the future. So I will just say, thank God, when I was growing up and I went to college, there was not social media around. So I don't have uh, you know, electronic footprint, but just be aware of what's out there about you because all of that feeds into your brand. Um, one thing you can try to do is maybe Google yourself every once in a while just to see what is out there about you. And I actually did that for one of my friends and I was very surprised when her mugshot popped up because I didn't even know she had a mugshot. So you might want to Google yourself and just see what skeletons are out there that may already made it on the internet, okay? So here's a couple things you can build, do to build your brand, but your brand is a lot of things. It's how you show up, how you're perceived. Sometimes it's as simple as a single interaction in a meeting and people will associate that with you and that will become part of your brand. It's also your legend. What do people say in your reputation? What do people say about you in the hallways, right? What do people remember about you and your actions and the things you have accomplished? It's all very important things and here's a couple tips um, that I encourage everybody to work on to build your brand and just be aware of you know, what you're putting out there because that's all part of your brand. The other thing you have to do is you definitely have to be proactive with your career planning. I didn't just sit back and waited for my boss to tell me, hey, this is what we think is the next good assignment for you. I proactively went out there and talked to people to say, hey, tell me a little bit about your job. What is it like to work in your job? What sort of skill sets is required in the role that you are in? So that I could kind of understand, does that play along my strengths? Are there opportunities that I need to work on? Does that role even interest me so that I could focus on building my own strengths, my own personal and professional development, as well as kind of map out a plan on where do I see myself in the short term? So next year to three years from now, where do I see myself in the medium term? So three to five years from now, and where am I trying to go 
for the future. So five years down the road, what would I like to see? And that definitely has changed a lot. I will tell you, being a global manufacturing chief engineer was not on my career plan. That is something I stumbled upon when I was trying to repatriate back from my assignment in Shanghai, China. I spent three years in Shanghai, China as an international service personnel, as a regional director of manufacturing quality. And I needed to come back and figure out, well, what job would I want to come back to? So I started doing exactly that. I started talking to some peers, understand what different roles are out there, asked them if someone like me would be qualified, and I made a plan, and then I went after it. Now, the other part of after you've established your brand and you have developed a plan, people got to know about you, right? And again, you can be the best and hardest worker, but that's not going to help you get where you're trying to go. So it's very important that you tell the organization all the good things that you are doing. And that's often very difficult for us as women. We are less likely to go and self-promote ourselves. Um, but I will tell you, most men have no problem doing it at all. I can't tell you how many times a man has come up to me and told me, the only reason I got my job is because he didn't want my job, or how he's the best person for this job or some other job. So that's what they are doing, and we need to be a little bit more proactive in our careers. So some of the things I have done to help myself be more proactive and understand, number one, what do I even want to talk about is keeping a, a work journal. There's so many things that you probably accomplish throughout the year, and then you come to your year-end assessment, like, well, you just remember last things you worked on the last three months. So I personally like keeping a work journal because it lets me keep celebrate the small wins along the way. It also allows me to reflect upon maybe some incidents where maybe I didn't feel that comfortable or I felt like the meeting didn't go right. So I can self-reflect and assess, well, why do I feel that way? And is there something that I need to do differently? Or is there something I just need to assess the situation, accept it for what it is, but then not dwell on the negative and just keep it moving? So that's why I really like keeping a work journal. It's been very, very helpful for me in my career. It also allows you very quickly then when you do have to tell people like you've got to write a bio or you got to give you your assessment. You can quickly scan. Oh, yeah, I did this project. I this, did that project. So you have all the examples there, and you can readily kind of create your highlight reel, if you will. You also need to make sure, obviously, that your manager is aware of the great things you are doing. And I'll share a little bit of tips around that as well on how you can kind of tactfully toot your own horn, if you will, without coming across as, like I said, the gentleman who told me, you know, he could have had my job, but he didn't want it. So that's the only reason I got the job. So, Okay. So here's some tips I'd like to share on how you can promote your own accomplishments. And they're very simple. And I don't think any of these would come across as you being very, um, you know, bragging about yourself. These are things we all do every day in our career. Do you ever present in meetings? Right? And if you know you have an important project that you're going to be presenting the results, maybe check with your boss to say, hey, the results are in. I'd appreciate it if maybe you could attend this meeting. I'm going to be giving an update and would be good for you to see that. And even if your boss can't attend, maybe you send them a summary about, hey, I just presented this and their results and this is how it was received. Right? 
that doesn't come across as being arrogant. Um, we have, in a lot of companies, we have employee resource groups, or even outside of companies, you have organizations such as Nesby or SWE. Maybe you put out newsletters there. That's also something great to share with your organization, your manager, on what you're doing, because we are more than the job we are currently doing. You are more than just your job title. Maybe you also submit articles. Some people do blogging. You can be asked to be nominated for awards. Some of us are getting an award this weekend. Um, you can also speak at panels and conferences, right? That's another way to highlight your accomplishments without coming across as being arrogant. Then the other thing I'd like to share with you today, and I found this very interesting, and I unfortunately think it's also very true, is that we often, as women, underestimate our readiness, which is why sometimes we're afraid to ask what we really think we deserve, because maybe sometimes we don't even believe that we deserve it or we struggle with imposter syndrome. So there was an internal study that talked about when women actually apply for a position versus men, okay? And this study found that women will apply position when they feel that they have met 100% of the requirements. For the men? Statistically, they said 60%, but absolutely, as a hiring manager, I've had people, you know, promote themselves. They don't even have the background, meet the qualifications or any experiences, but they will come and tell me, hey, I, you should think about me and consider me for this position. But this is a very interesting statistic, right? So why do we wait till we're 100% qualified and the men just go after it? Because they are comfortable faking it until they make it, or what I would like to say and what I have done in my career is fake it until you become it. So I encourage you to watch the Amy Cuddy TED Talk if you haven't yet, um, but she talks about that. So think about that. Fake it until you become it. Have enough faith in your own capabilities that if you meet 60% of the qualifications, you are the best qualified candidate for that job. The other thing I often tell myself is, I don't know what I don't know. So why am I going to stress myself out that maybe this job might have something I don't know, so therefore I'm not going to apply for it? Well, what if that job does have something that I do know, and my what I do know is good enough, and that's absolutely the way I try to manage my career. I just go for it. I know I'm willing to fail forward, and I know I can learn quickly as well as you're not out there by yourself. So all of us have strong networks. So if you don't know something, I'm sure you know someone you can pick up the phone and call to ask. So how do you go after what you want, right? So once you know you have met 60% of the requirements, it's time to act. Go make your request, turn off that voice in the back of your head that says, oh, don't do it, it's gonna be scary, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Just, just go talk to people. And that's how I got the job I have today. I was in China. I talked to a peer who was a manufacturing chief to understand what the role was, what the requirements were. I then made an appointment with their manager 
to introduce myself. I brought my resume, I brought my little self-presentation, and let him know I was interested in the job and told him why I felt I was qualified for the job. And I also asked him, you know, this last bullet here, is there anything, additional information you need in order for us to move forward or why you would have reservations on why I'm not the best candidate for the job? And the good thing with that is, maybe they will tell you, no, you're not qualified, but you, if you work on X, Y, and Z, then you will be. So it doesn't hurt to ask. Because you, either way, you might get what you asked for, or you might find out some other opportunities that you need to work on and become the better version of you. So what things happen when you ask for an opportunity and change? 10% of the time, nothing happens. So just go for it, and worst thing, you go back to your desk and do your job. Oh, well. Five of those who ask for a promotion, sometimes you get new responsibilities instead. Maybe you'll get more responsibilities, a bigger scope, other projects to work on. Maybe you'll get a different role or not a promotion. Maybe you'll be lucky like me, I got the role I asked for. Or sometimes you'll get a role that's even better than what you even asked for. So I'd like to leave you with, you know, you need to proactively manage your career, and I'm an example of what can happen if you do, because you can't afford to wait. You are, you are your best advocate. Nobody knows you better than you. Nobody knows your passion better than you. So why are you sitting around and letting someone else write your story? You got to be the master of your story. Thank you. So, I'll tell you some of the key takeaways that kind of resonated as you were talking. I like this idea of fake it until you become it. That, that was very powerful. Build your brand, be proactive in your career plan, and keep a work journal. That's something that I have done for most of my life. I've had a journal. The other thing that it does for you is when you want to write that book, you got everything you need right there in one place. So, thank you so much. For that and I'm sure you all have lots of questions for Sandra. Um, our next speaker is Manali Sapri and Manali is the Director of Engineering and Technology at Quicken Loans. Uh, she in that role she leads teams that builds Rocket Mortgage which many of you I'm sure have heard of or may even gotten your mortgage through Rocket um, but Rocket is a fully developed online and on-demand mortgage experience. She is responsible for the technology and software delivery for all things related to Rocket Mortgage. She joined the company in 2005 as a software quality assurance engineer, leading several large and small technology projects that have helped shape the future of the mortgage industry. She has worked in India and in Canada. She values teamwork and team development. One interesting thing that I learned about her is that she has earned the nickname Mama Bear, okay? And, and any, anybody that's involved in teamwork, you're always looking out for others. So Manala is going to, uh, Manali, excuse me, is going to come up and she's going to share with us what it takes to have an impact at work. Specifically, she's going to share her career journey, 
what she did to prepare herself for some very strategic career moves. And she's gonna share four deliberate steps that each of you can take in order to be more impactful at work. So with that, Manali. Thank you. Can you hear me? Thank you, Norma. Um, I am so thrilled and excited to be here. How is everyone doing? Yeah, that was a wonderful reception. This is my first time coming to this conference and I must say I am very impressed. This group puts together something really awesome. Yeah. So um, when Eric reached out to me a few months back uh, to come and talk at this event, I was super excited and I was thinking, what should I talk about? Like what is gonna make, you know, make most sense for this event? And I figured that I will probably talk about my own journey and the events that have led me to uh, my career where I am today. So here we go. Um, 14 years back when I joined Quicken Loans, I was a mom of a three-year-old. And just like millions of mothers across the country juggling work and career, I was one of them. Every evening at sharp five, I would leave work to pick up my daughter from daycare. This one particular evening still stands out to me. I left work as usual on time, but I got stuck in the worst traffic I could have imagined. Like you've all been there. It's like, it's like no, no one was moving. And I drove like crazy and I absolutely knew that I am not going to make it in time to you know, pick up my daughter and that's what happened. I reached there, parked my car, rushed in and in a big empty hall, I saw in the corner my daughter and her teacher sitting there. And I thought she would just run, rush at me, hug me, and mommy, her usual self. None of that happened that day. I ran to her, I hugged her, and she was sad. She wasn't even ready to talk to me. And she said in the weakest, faintest voice, mommy, I thought you will never come. Tore my heart. I tell you, I hugged, I reassured her that's not gonna happen. But the reality is I had like a large turmoil and I was like up and down and I vowed to myself that day that I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make my career a more meaningful and a worthwhile one outside my home, leaving my family. So I'm gonna share four messages with you guys, really hoping that they would inspire you to make your journey a little more worthwhile and meaningful. All right? Message number one that I want to share. Don't stop at job descriptions. And by that, I mean that don't just limit yourself to the things, the tasks that come within the boundaries of the description of your job. Peek up, take a look around, see all the different things that no one else is doing because those are the things that no one else is doing are the ones that will get you noticed and will get you further in your career. We always think this is in my job. 
I'm going to be stepping on so-and-so's toes and, you know, things like that. But honestly, the people who go above and beyond their call of duty are the ones that do get noticed and are the ones who actually get further in their career. A few years back, I joined uh, one of the startups, Quizzle.com. I, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but uh, the beginning, we were just the five of us on the team. And I joined um, as the quality assurance engineer uh, on that team. But I tell you, I did not stop at just being the traditional QA and just doing the things that were asked. It was a startup. We all pitched in. So I plugged myself in into doing things which I would have never otherwise imagined to do. I was some days managing the vendors. I was some days um, answering client relations calls. I was um, doing PHP interviews. Like whatever was needed or needed on that day, I showed up. So I think it is very important that it, and it got noticed. So I'm saying that it's, it's something that we all should do is to just see what are some of the things that you can do and that will get noticed. Okay, so that was my first message. Message number two, live the role that you want. And don't wait for someone to actually come and give you that job and then you start doing it. Keep on thinking, what do you wanna be? Where do you wanna go in these few years? And then just start doing it. Because you, you can find out, this is the role that I wanna go into and what is really done in that role? Like, what are some of the things, like Sandra mentioned? Like, find out and then just start doing it because the reality is that is how it is going to help you to get there. So while I was juggling in the startup, doing all of these different things, one thing I learned about myself is I absolutely love working with people. I love to, to understand what they are struggling with. What are their issues? What is it that makes them happy? What are their aspirations? And I try to connect them with these opportunities that I am seeing and move them with that helps them move further in their career. So I became that person connecting these dots between different teams. I became the spokesperson for the teams. I became the the person that was, you know, when and no one else is talking, that you talk kind of a person. And that landed me in a role of a team captain. And the job of that team, that uh, responsibilities were delivery of the work, but not so much as I didn't have anyone reporting to me as such. So I just went on fine tuning my leadership skills. And one fine day, I was invited to um, um, an important discussion, a strategic discussion about how we are going to move forward and uh, move the project forward. And the, the outcome of that discussion was basically that we would be um, reorganizing or restructuring our teams in such a way that it's not one big team, but it's going to be three or four parallel streams. Okay, that was awesome. I was there. Um, and they had two of the leaders, two of the managers already identified, all right, you do this, you do this. They didn't have anyone in mind for the third team. 
I was there. And because I was doing all those leadership-related things in my other, uh, in the team captain role, someone just suggested and said, you know, why don't you just play this role until in, in the interim until we actually find the right person? And it was a little disappointing, but at the same time, I was like, okay, all right, I'm gonna seize this opportunity. And I started leading that team. Mind you, no one was still reporting to me. And you all know it is difficult to get something done if you go with a team that you know has different leaders on. So um, I started doing that and I became the obvious choice for the next time when they opened up the position, I interviewed for it and I actually got the job. So that's my second message. Play the role that you actually want. My message number three is know your brand. And it's funny, Sandra also mentioned about that. What is it that you're known for? What do people identify you with? Like, it's important for us to know that. Everyone has something unique, some qualities, some trait that I, we identify with and that we are known for. If you know it, great. But if you don't, it is time for you to now find out. And you can do that by, um, you can ask your managers, your trusted friend, you know, water cooler people, like there are ways you can find out what is it that people talk about me? Because it is the perception that others have of you is what is actually going to make them either work with you or want to work with you or pass you for someone else. Over these years, um, so uh, all of these years, I was doing this kind of stuff and um, I like to actually work on very big, complex, major, dirty projects, like the projects that are not well-defined, the ones that no one wants to go to. So I love those. I look at the, them as, you know, you know, when you go buy a um, uh, 10,000 piece puzzle set and you put it on the table and you're like, oh my God, where do I begin? That is how I feel about these big projects. It's like one thing after the other, you know, you wanna just go and make that puzzle happen. That is how I see about these projects. The, the chaos and the mess, the stress that comes with it is something that, uh, believe it or not, I look forward to it. Because I'm the type of person that works really well when there's a sword dangling over my head. <laughs> there's a deadline, there's okay, something going on. So um, that is my uh, message number three, that know your brand. Message number four, and my favorite one, you will see it when you believe it. Mind you, I'm not, I didn't say what is normally said, I will believe it when I see it. No, it's the opposite. Have that belief in you that you are going to make it and that is where you will make it, okay? That's the most important thing because you know how they say, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions, right? It is your thoughts that you have to command, that you have to tame, that you have to conquer. And then those thoughts eventually become your belief and you will make it happen. Um, in my job as the 
the, the, the very first uh, platform for creating a digital mortgage, you can only imagine the number of roadblocks and hurdles we had. But I tell you, it is the belief that we will make it happen is the only reason why it is actually seeing the light of the day today. Now I'm gonna be very candid with you. When we come to work, we don't just come as a body. We bring with us our feelings and our emotions. It's a package that we walk into work. And some days we are bringing in the worry of a sick child. Some days you're just mad, you had a disagreement with your spouse. Some other day, everything was perfect and you know it was a beautiful day. So it's very difficult to keep that uniform spirit of you know rah-rah mode all the time. And you come with this bouquet of emotions that you know you want to get this thing done. And the reality is, if you have this firm belief in your head that it's going to happen, then all of these ups and downs, one day up, one day down, is not going to matter because it's going to be the big picture that you will look at. Okay? So those were my four messages, and I really hope that you will think of one of them when you are looking to take the next step in your career. And if you are wondering if I was ever again late to pick up my daughter, unfortunately I was. If anything, she just toughened up and knew that, you know what, my mom's going to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Alumni Welcome Reception, a professional development seminar featuring Norma Clayton, Sandra McNeil, Manali Sapri, and Dottie Lee. Brought to you by the Women of Color STEM Conference. Uniting women in STEM by continuing the press for progress. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, the days of being late to pick up your children. I can... <laughs> I can relate. I had, I actually had my son say to one of his, his little classmates, see, I told you I had a mommy. <laughs> so I can identify. I really can. Um, but I mean, she made some really key points up here. Don't stop at your job description. Go above and beyond. That is very, very true. Um, what are you known for? I, I think that is a powerful statement because what you're known for will also become your legacy at some point. And then you will see it when you believe it. Very good. Thank you so much, Manali. Okay, our last speaker, and then we're going to go to Q&A, is Dottie Lee. Dottie is the founder and CEO of Trans-Pacific Communications. She is a world-renowned expert in cross-cultural communications, public relations, and corporate communications. She served at the White House handling media advance assignments around the world for the president's trips. She also um, is known um, as a chief uh, communications officer for both large and small international and domestic communications projects. She serves as the commissioner on the Maryland Governor's um, Board 
uh, and program for, um, for the city of Maryland. And Dottie's voice can be heard by millions as the voice and voiceover coach of Rosetta Stone for their Mandarin program. So if any of you ever purchased Rosetta Stone for Mandarin, you probably have heard Dottie's voice. So Dottie is going to come up and share her experiences in mass media and also her leadership style as well. Dottie. Thank you, Norma. Thank you so much for that kind introduction. And um, looking out here, these beautiful women, a man, a few of you, and, and, and these fabulous ladies uh, just before us. So I am grateful to be here. Um, I was born and raised in China, as you probably suspect. How did I get here? By networking. So that's my story. I've networked my way all the way to the top, and I'm teaching people from all over the world how to network, how to advance their career. But there is one other piece that's also included in this networking piece, it's your brand. You can't just talk a good game without the substance. So while you could network all the way to the top, you need to have that brand. My fellow panelists both mentioned that. If you don't have that solid brand, that brand that would resonate with people, you can't go anywhere, right? She just talks a good game, right? I was nine years old, about this big, and I was listening to the broadcast of Voice of America. That's the government's radio station, if you will, that goes to all over the world, except in America. So you guys actually have never heard of Voice of America. <laughs> but think of this young girl, nine years old, in China, listening to the broadcast of Voice of America in Mandarin Chinese. But we were listening to that broadcast in secrecy. You know why? Because America was the enemy, was the imperialist America. And if the neighbors heard you, you would be in trouble. You would be reported and some horrible things might happen to you. So while I was listening to the Voice of America's broadcast, I had a dream. The dream was to become a broadcaster at VOA one day. Well, you wonder, a nine-year-old from thousands of miles away who didn't speak a lick of English, who wanted to become a VOA broadcaster, that's almost impossible. But guess what? That dream was in my heart, that seed was planted, and the seed grew. So I knew I had two things to do besides networking. I didn't know what networking was then. I had two things to do. One was to learn English. The other was to come here physically. And I um, was able to do that. Apparently, I'm here now. How did I do that? Through networking. I worked very hard. I studied English. I learned just the words at the beginning, right? You, you accumulate your vocabulary. You were taught, you were actually taught British English. I think there's a British lady here, Claire, somewhere. Um, here she is. You were taught British English by Chinese teachers whose English may or may not be 
any good to start with. Um, and eventually, you pass through all these exams, you went to college, and uh, you studied journalism to follow your father's footsteps, and uh, eventually became a print reporter in, in following dad's um, uh, journey. And uh, I applied for a lot of American schools at the time. Nobody answered me. So this is when I knew I had to do something. That's my very first networking session, if you will. I went to a professor, a family friend. I said, you know, I really need to go to America to achieve that dream. And somehow the message resonated with this older gentleman who actually got his PhD from Baylor University in Texas. He said, that's fine. I am happy to recommend you to a few American universities. So he did. And the next thing I knew, I got a, a, an admission letter from University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> there is a reason for that, okay? When you have a dream, when you plant a seed, when you send a message out to the universe, the universe, God is going to take care of you. And the reason God put me in Mobile, not Harvard, not Yale, not Stanford, or any other places, was for the same reason that allowed my dream to become reality. So one day, I shared my childhood's dream with my professor, someone I'm still in touch with, after all these years, I said, in my, in my home, when I was nine years old, I wanted to become a real VOA broadcaster. And my professor said, Daddy, the man who founded VOA lives here in Mobile. Would you like to meet him? <laughs> so, the president of the university drove me to meet Mr. Kenneth Giddens. Mr. Giddens was ill at the time, but Mrs. Giddens took a like in this young person. She and I hit it off. She was in her 80s, I was in my 20s. Go figure. <laughs> she said, Daddy, you need to go to Washington after you finish here. And I'm thinking, well, I have my plans. Why would I go to Washington? But I thought Washington is where VOA was, right? So she bought me a ticket for this poor international student to go all the way from Mobile to Washington. I went up there for a, a journalism internship program. Through that program, I actually had to go to a media outlet to get some media experience. And guess which one I chose to get my media experience? What was that? Thank you. You knew where the story was going, right? So I went to VOA to be an intern after my internship was over there. Guess what? They offered me a job. My very first job in America was to realize my childhood dream. How cool is that? So I networked my way all the way to realize my childhood's dream, but the dream didn't end there. Norma mentioned that I'm the voice and voice coach of Rosetta Stone's Mandarin products. It was because of that experience I had built from Voice of America. Now, from VOA, I went to C-SPAN. Do you ever watch C-SPAN? 
Does that put you to sleep? <laughs> now, for an immigrant to understand how, how this country works, the legislative process, it was the best place for me to get my experience understanding American politics, legislation, the White House, you name it. But little did I know, many years later, I would be working for the president. I was covering the White House as a producer. But I remember one time, it was a Christmas, uh, Christmas tree lighting ceremony. We were live. I was physically in front of the White House covering the event live. I'm thinking, this is not real. I pinched myself. I said, this is, <laughs> this is not real. A girl from China now got to produce this live coverage, national uh, network television for millions and millions of viewers. But I did not know the very president that I was covering years later ended up working for him was also through networking. I will skip the details how I ended up in the White House. Now, at the White House, I got to learn many, many tools that I'm still using to this day. Tools that I'm teaching my clients, tools that I'm using with my uh, corporate folks, with my federal clients, etc. Now, I'm teaching people three things about networking. You know, these ladies have a list, I have a list. No, notice the pattern? Uh, my list is be always the person with a positive attitude, be willing to help, right? My professor just said, hey, the man who founded VOA lives here. Be that positive person to help, to help others. Now, I'm going to draw you a picture. I want you to imagine a bicycle wheel, wheel. That the thing in the middle that holds all the spokes, that thing in the middle is you. You could grow as many spokes as you like. Those spokes are your networks. Utilize them. I think of that one spoke could be your mountain climbers club, your, your gardeners club. Um, I don't know what you guys do. Your, your STEM, your, your girl thing, right? Your girl thing club. <laughs> By the way, I, I'm not a STEM person, but guess what? I train the top scientists in the nation. I, I work with them, whether they're scientists uh, PhD scientists, MDs, and, and what have you at Food and Drug Administration, at NOAA, at NIST, or you name it, at NSF, etc. So I do get to rub shoulders with these scientists and STEM people. Most of them are women, by the way. Um, so I'm in the right place. So that's the first thing. Be the positive person because you're in the center. You get to control how many spokes you're going to grow and you're going to make your wheel turn. That's your bicycle wheel. You determine how well you want to make that wheel turn. If everything in your system is working well, that wheel is going to turn so well and your life will be so fulfilled. Number two, networking. As a good networker, I know, I'm sure you already are. As a good networker, you have to be aware of people. You have to be aware what she does, what he does, and what she does here. Not just their titles, so that you could put people together. That becomes your network. Every once in a while, I will have a bad day. I know you don't, you never have a bad day here. Every once in a while. And you know what, who I call when I have a bad day? Who do you call when you have a bad day? 
Your mom? I don't call my mom when I have a bad day. She's in China. I don't want to worry her. My sister, on the other hand, she calls my mother every single day. She tells my mother every single woe she has. I said, no, don't, don't do that. Stop it. I, I only tell my mom happy news. I actually told her I was coming here. So who do you call? That person you call is the person in your networks. I have people in my networks, girlfriends, people who support me. I actually text them when I landed. I say, yay, I landed in Detroit. <laughs> and they're my cheerleaders. They're my support system. So be aware of who they are, what they do. And the third thing I want to give you in terms of networking your way to the top is the ability to communicate with people. I'm not saying you could talk to the deans, talk to the chief architecture, talk to the chief this and vice president that, or senior VP or general manager for that matter. That's not what I'm saying. Can you talk to the people on the street? Do you have the ability to speak with a janitor in the hall who cleans your room? The ability to communicate with people is your key of networking your way to the top. I'll give you a quick story. Years ago, I was teaching at Johns Hopkins Carey Business School. I was teaching them business communication, of course. I was teaching these finance master's students. One day, I found out a young lady who's the receptionist who sits in front of a classroom. That's her birthday that day. I, she and I become friends because she greets me every day with this beautiful smile. We become friends and I find out that's her birthday. I, I tell my students, I say, you know this young lady outside? They're like, who? <laughs> They're not aware of this person because she's not the dean, she's not the professor, she's not gonna give them a good grade. So she doesn't exist. I said, well, that's the young lady outside. It's her birthday. Let's go out to sing her a song during a break. They reluctantly accepted. I said, sign this card. So we all did. I went to her, pretend that I was going to say something to her. And I just burst into a song. And they all chimed in. They, they loved it. She loved it. She told me just the other day, do you remember, Professor, you did this for me one day? I said, oh, yeah, I do remember this. All right. So be aware of people, and you have the ability to communicate. I'm going to leave you all with this. When you have a dream, when you have a, a desire that you want to do something, put the message out to the universe, and the universe will take care of you. And good luck and happy networking. OK, very good. OK. So we've been talking a lot tonight about leadership brand. And I don't know if any of you had an opportunity to peruse your schedule, but I'll give you a little secret. There is a seminar on building your brand right here at Women of Color on Saturday. So if you have an opportunity, Saturday from 10 to 11.15, there is a seminar on building your brand. So you can you know, continue um, with that um, in that seminar. So what we want to do now is we want to take some questions and answers. You've been sitting very patiently um, for the last 40 minutes or so, and there is a microphone. Tony's standing right there near the microphone. 
So when you come up to the microphone, I'd like you to state your name so that we know who we're talking to and tell us one fun fact about yourself. Very short fun fact, okay? Um, so that we can get to know you a little bit better as we're working together over the next couple of days. Okay, so with that, um, do we have someone that would like to come up first? Oh, there we go. We have, I see a hand there. Please come to the, we got somebody there. Go for it. Hi, my name is Chantel Logan. I am from Erickson Inc. out of Dallas, Texas. And um, I guess my husband would say that I have a very specific form of OCD. Um, <laughs> I say I like purple, but he says it's OCD. He's probably right. So um, I guess my question would be, um, starting your career, something that you know now that you wish you had known in the beginning, what, what would that be for you? Thank you so much for that question. Um, I would say that I did not know all the different things that I was even capable of. So when I, I went to the engineering, engineering school, um, I graduated in something which I am not using at all today. <laughs> so, so it's not really your education that, you know, uh, is what that brings you forward. It's your attitude and it's all the different things that you do to stretch yourself are the ones that bring you forward. So I wish, I wish that I had done this sooner. Hi, you are? Hi, uh, I'm Mary, I'm a Beamer out of the Wichita office. Uh, Nera. Hi, Nera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a fun fact about me, I love ice skating. So put me on the ring, I'm, I'm home. Wow. <laughs> awesome. I do have some notes. Uh, first of all, thank you all, lady. This was very inspiring, and I'm, I'm very happy I was here tonight. So, Dottie, I'm here to network, so thank you for that. Um, Manali, I really love the, the know your brand, because I've always heard about you need to know your brand, but asking people, you know, about what they think of you, that's one thing I hadn't heard before, so thank you for sharing that. My question is actually for Sandra. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> she covered them all. <laughs> um, so Sandra, I sincerely appreciated the fact that you did not just talk to us about what you did, but also how. How you went from one job to the next. Because that's something that sometimes I miss from presentations. So thank you for covering that. My question is, what did you answer to those or that one person that I asked that told you I just didn't want the job. I just want to know what was your, your response. Yeah, so um, I work in manufacturing, so I've heard a lot of very interesting comments. I just looked at him like he was crazy, and I just kept it moving, okay? And that's what I do. I just shake the haters off because you will not diminish my worth or my value. I don't care what you have to say, period. Hi, how are you? Um, my name is Naomi Baptiste. I'm an engineer at Lockheed Martin. Fun fact about me is that I love to play chess, and I usually have a chess board on me at all times. So if anybody wants to play, let me know. All right. I think that's a challenge. I just heard yeah. a challenge. Okay. 
my question to the panelists is, um, how do you handle recognition? Um, I know I'm an awardee um, at um, this conference here, but like in the past, sometimes I've heard comments like, oh, you won that because you're black, or you won that because you're female. Like, how do you respond to those types of comments in the workplace? I'm thankful that my manager supports me 100% and they nominate me for stuff and I'm grateful, but then how do you respond to like other people in the organization that might have those comments? Who would like to address that? Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you're more in line with her kind of okay. uh, yeah, business, but I, I, I have a different approach after. Um, I guess my answer is similar to what I said before. I, I don't listen to that. And I've also been in roles where people said, well, the only reason she's here because they needed some brown girl to fill the position. Um, but I would just encourage to have a conversation with a person to see, well, why do you feel that way? Um, and there's a great tool called Crucial Conversations that can help you get to the bottom of that. And maybe then you can break down, maybe it's their own bias. Maybe they have an own certain kind of fear that they think you're gonna become their boss and you're less qualified than they are. And that might actually lead to a conversation where you can share your accomplishments and the things you have done. So I think it's just uh, trying to have a conversation and, and make a connection with that individual so that they can see you as a human being. Right? So I would say, First of all, I would say, ouch. <laughs> Just to check that person. Sometimes people need to be checked. By you saying that, they were like, oops, did I say something stupid? <laughs> and, and also along the same line, what Sandra said and what she does is when I feel that energy that's not 100% positive, I send them love. That's what I do. I just send them love. And somehow, somewhere that the wall or that energy, the negative energy gets broken down a bit. So because I decide I want to send that person some love. Okay, yes. Hello, my name is Quebec Rosario. I work with the Corps of Engineers uh, out of Charleston District. And one funny thing about me is that I can talk. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> so um, I have a question any, for any of you. Have you had any um, major setbacks, like a project go wrong? How did you make it? Uh, how did you come out of it? And how did you make it something positive in your career? I can take that one because it did happen to me. <laughs> so I worked on something for almost a year and that project got scrapped. So I know exactly what that feeling is. And um, your question was, how did, how did I cope with it? Was that the question? Yeah, how did, how did you yeah. so I think the way to recover in that case was again, I was leading, leading that team and there were like everyone around me who were sad. So I just had to put up that brave face, even though inside I was like thinking, man, this should not have been the way. And I actually was, you know, putting up that brave front and saying, you know what, it's going to be all right. And it's going to be, like I said, you will see it when you believe it. So just move on was my uh, answer to everyone. Great answer. 
one thing I would add, and I'll go back to one thing I talked about um, during my tech talk is, you know, write that down in your journal, reflect on it. Why did it fail? Was it something lacking in your behaviors or actions or skill or was was there something wrong with the team dynamic? Because I believe everything is a learning moment, right? So what can you learn from that situation? Is there something you need to work on or was there some external factors that maybe were outside of your control? And sometimes that does happen and that's okay. But the important thing is, as she said, to learn from it and then keep it moving. Don't dwell on the negative. Don't get into a death spiral of the black hole of you failed and then, oh, I'm, they're gonna, this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen. Just dissect it, understand what you can learn from it, understand how you can grow from it, develop an action plan, and then keep it moving. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you've all heard the adage of no pain, no gain. I, I can tell you, you're going to fail. You're gonna fail, and, and the question is, how do you bounce back and how do you learn from that? But if you're afraid of failure, you are not going to realize your ultimate career success. You cannot play it safe in any business that you're in. So just recognize that it's going to happen and you need to control how you recover from it. Okay, next. Hi, my name is Samiti. I'm a product manager with AT&T. I just have to say, this is such a great start to the event. I can't wait to see what's coming up for the rest of the weekend. Uh, thank you, moderator, and the panel for your first assistance for sharing experience. Fun fact about me, back when I was in college, I saved, I rescued an owl from a gas station. I couldn't think of anything else. I was the thing that came to my mind, so I'm sharing that. Uh, question, I have a lot of questions, but I'll limit it to one for now. And Sandra, this is for you. Uh, when you applied for the role that you have now, I mean, you walked us the journey of it, what was your what was your assessment of readiness? 60%, 100%, where were you? I didn't know if I was qualified at all, okay? Because honestly, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was in China as an ISP. I was going through a difficult situation where I was in an environment where the leader and the leader's values maybe weren't aligned with mine. I was also seemed to have a target on my back and I was starting in that death spiral like he's telling people about me he's going to ruin my brand and it's going to be in but I shut off the negative self-talk I talked with an individual and all they had to say was well you need some manufacturing experience and I knew I had that so I thought I had maybe 10% of the job but I have a lot of faith in my abilities I'm also very good at networking I have a very strong network and I have a support system so I knew that I just needed to go for it because again, what's the worst thing that could happen? They could say, no, you're not qualified. Come back in five years after you get this skill and that skill. So I always just put the blinders on and I just jump and I have faith that I'll either land on my feet, but it's usually not that easy, <laughs> but maybe I'll fall and typically I don't fall that hard and I just get back up and I keep it moving. So you just gotta go for it. Hi, my name is Nazareth. Uh, fun fact about me is I kind of cover the whole part of East Africa. Was born and raised in Sudan. My parents are from Eritrea, Ethiopia, and I am married to a Ugandan. So 
I have that one. Um, and I use that to my advantage a lot. Um, thank you all, uh, moderator and uh, presenters. My question is for Dottie. Um, I read in your bio, you talk about uh, breaking down cross-cultural barriers in the workplace. Can you tell us a little bit about that or you know, an example of how you did that successfully or challenges related to it? Thank you, thank you. Uh, it's, good. it's a great question, not just because that's something near and dear to my heart. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to promote my seminar on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Be there, <laughs> and, and I'll give more details, but it, it's not a sneak preview, okay? The barriers that I had when I first came to Mobile, Alabama, imagine that. So all those barriers, linguistically and culturally and otherwise, and I realized, oh, I'm here, but I'm a person without a, an identity. And I've learned to grow that identity, that, that brand, and also learned through my experience. And later on, when I became a uh, spokesperson at a, corporate, um, at a corporate setting coming out of C-SPAN, I realized that that accent, the, the British taught English marinated in the South with the molasses of Southern drawl, I could, I could turn it on, I could turn it on, all right. So I realized that Southern drawl didn't work for me as a spokesperson. I used to speak the King's English. That's for you, Claire. All right, so I realized as a spokesperson at a corporate level, I could not afford to sound like that. I needed to sound more authoritative. I needed to, to communicate with my former colleagues in the media. So I went to get my accent reduced and modified and neutralized. And I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that is the best thing I have ever done for myself and for my career ever. And that became my mission in life. I'm helping people out there, whether you're a native English speaker or a non-native English speaker, especially if you're a non-English, non-native English speaker like myself, there are major barriers that are standing in your way between you and your goals. And so I have figured out that secret. I've found that recipe that helps people to advance their career by removing this major barrier so that you could realize your full potential. And so in the workplace, at federal agencies where most of our clients are, these brilliant scientists, you know, we attract the best and brightest scientists. You guys know that. These brilliant scientists, yet this major barrier is between them and their recognition, promotion, and goals, and what have you. So does that answer your question? Okay, come see me at 3 o'clock Saturday. Okay, we're, we're going to get the, uh, the hook here from Tony in about five, five minutes or so. So we're going to try to speed up a little bit and get some more questions in. Yes. Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Arpita, and I work for Easy Engineering based in Troy. And I'm very happy to be part of this event. I learned a lot of key points from here, like good communication, always be positive, and play the role you want to be in. Um, my question is to Manali. Um, I'm a student, so I'm doing my master's, and I'm also working. 
So I have to put a lot of attention to my personal life and my professional life because it's towards my career. So sometimes it happens that your personal life, things are not going well, maybe you missed an assignment or the exam didn't go well and you have lots of emotions, but you need to control it and be productive at your work. So how do you balance that kind of life? If, uh, like your personal life and your professional life? That's a very good question. And like I was saying, you know, when you come to work, you are not just coming as a body. You're bringing in your, your you know, the complex brain with its emotions and feelings and everything. And for me, I think that having a set goal or something in mind that the belief system that we all have is most important. Like, see the big picture. Don't get drawn by failures of one day or one test or something. Don't lose sight of the big picture. And that's what helps me because that keeps me going. That it's okay. One day, it's not going to make a big difference. Thank you so much. One thing I would add to that, I think it's important to have a support system too. So if you know you're struggling with the balance of work, school, and personal life, you know, what is your support structure? Um, that's very important. And that's one thing I've done because I also worked on my MBA while I was um, working like 70 hours a week. But um, I can't tell you how many times I'll call my husband if I have a bad day at work crying from the ladies' restroom. And he tells me, you dry it off, you get back out there. But it's just, you got to, sometimes you got to let that emotion out. You got to have somebody you can talk to that'll pep you back up and then you go back out there to fight another day because it's not easy and it's very hard to find the balance but you just have to be present where you choose to be at the moment where you are hello hi how are you guys good greetings to all great time i am enjoying myself so my fun fact my name is anicia blake i'm from the virgin islands that's not my fun fact my, my fun fact is that I'm a Zumba instructor and I'm also a youth minister. And so I thought that with all the seriousness now we, that we're going to have for the week, what is your fun that you do? What do you guys do for fun? <laughs> I have it. Do you really want to know? I do crazy things like running a 5K. That's not as crazy as in my marathon of friends. I run 5Ks, 10Ks. I do a boot camp. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an amateur boot camp instructor. And uh, I actually garden. Garden, you, you talked about. I do garden. Um, I think for me, it's therapeutic. And it's also good to connect yourself with the earth, yeah. dig into the dirt, and for me to, do you know what deadheading is? Yes. I'm so glad you know. <laughs> it's therapeutic. Hello, yes, when you, when you pick off and it, you're doing something good, but it's really relaxing for me. And uh, in the meantime, when I'm deadheading, when I'm gardening, I'm actually listening to a fabulous book of some sort. For me, um, the fun fact is I, uh, my family is very outdoor, outdoory types. We go for long hikes and all sorts of things that have to do with outdoors. So I do enjoy that. 
And the other thing that I do for fun is I choreograph dance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Um, as you can probably tell, I have an intense personality, so I like doing CrossFit and kicking some butt on the weekends. <laughs> and I like annoying my husband. So I have two dogs. I have two boxers. One is the size of a human. He's 120 pounds, and I have one that's 45 pounds. So boxers are kind of crazy dogs. So I just love coming home and screaming and seeing them run wild and just driving him nuts. So that's what I like to do for fun. Very good. <laughs> So in between all that work, you can see engineers do have fun. <laughs> okay. Next. Hello. Hi. Uh, my name is Lauren Gemalu. I work for Ericsson in Texas. And uh, the fun fact about myself is I live and work in three continents so far. Uh, Europe, Africa, and now America. Thank you so much for all the stories. They're very inspiring. I don't know which one to pick because each of you has something that I can relate to. But I think I'm going to pick Manali. And, Manali. and um, your story resonates uh, with me because you mentioned the fact that you used to leave work around 5 p.m. Yes. every single day. Yep. That rings a bell. But you didn't talk about how you actually combine the work and the family or how you overcome the challenges of being with your family and be, continue to go up and take more responsibilities. Can you, you know, elaborate about how you manage the work-life balance, so to speak? Thank you. That's a wonderful question. And uh, to be honest, I don't think I have yet figured it out well. It's, it's a juggle every single day, something or the other. Pick this one from cross country, pick that one from dance, pick that one from soccer camp. So yeah, that does happen. And I think uh, me and my husband, we are the partners in crime here and we totally rely on each other. We shout at each other. Why can't you do this today? I picked up yesterday. So yeah, we do have those kinds of things, which I'm sure you all have had. Um, but other than that, like friends, networking, like they help and pitch in. Um, I do like to engage in my kids' activities in trying to at least keep up with what kind of college essay she's writing or, you know, all those things. Um, and I'm setting a good example for them. Like, you know what? It's going to be time. It's real work. It's, it's going to be work. Mom's going to be gone. <laughs> and I think that is it, Tony. Do we... We can take two more questions. Okay, so, very so good. So to speed it up, my name is Loretta. I work at a college in Florida. And fun fact, I have been late several times to pick up my kids. <laughs> I just tell them, I will be there. You just be patient. <laughs> so my question is about brand, and it's for three of you. So a lot of times, being a woman of color, the issue is hair. So the... So someone has said to me that you, to develop your brand, you need to be consistent with how you look so that you can be constantly recognized rather than braids this week, short hair next week, or something else, you know? So what are your thoughts on that? And does that really play a role in promotion, being identified, and truly your brand as an individual? Because I see a lot of times we talk about integrity and your work, right? But then, of course, the physical is important as well. What are your thoughts? 
Who would like to start? Sandra? I have long hair and I do not care. No. What I would say is, I think it depends on where you work, but I think you can only be successful if you are your authentic self, right? So if that's part of you that you want to have short hair one day, blonde hair the next day, long hair, curly hair, braids, I think you should just do you because your brand is, even though your brand is influenced by your appearance, that is not your brand. Your brand is what you bring to the table and the skills and the results that you are able to deliver. And I personally think you just have to do you because that's what's going to make you successful. But I, I understand as well that some industries yeah. maybe are not as open-minded. Yeah, I, I, I can just share with you from my experience um, being at the Boeing company, um, they, have, they have changed, but at the time that I was starting my leadership development, um, you know, you had to have what they called back then the corporate look the blue suit, the gray suit, the black suit, the brown suit, the pumps, the stockings, you know, but that's all changing now. And I'm glad to see that companies are becoming a little more sensitized. And I think also the globalness of the, uh, of the workforce is changing that too, because they're recognizing that, you know, everybody around the world is not gonna come to America and try to assimilate into their corporate culture. So uh, as they're expanding and moving businesses offshore, they're really learning that people really do need to be authentic in who they are in order to bring their best selves to the work and also so they can get the results that they want on their bottom line. So it kind of all goes together. Okay, this is our last question. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunities. Um, so I'm a mechanical engineer at Kohler. Uh, fun fact about me, um, so before I was hired, they ran a personality assessment on me, and I, my energy was rated 26 out of 100, and, <laughs> but I have run a full marathon, so that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they still hired me, so. <laughs> uh, so my question is mostly for Dottie. Uh, so I was also born and raised in China, and the Chinese cultural belief is like, it's the is that the people, people um, always need to be modest and humble. So I was taught by my mom, like growing up, uh, if you're doing something great, uh, be humble. Don't, be, don't make yourself, the saying is, don't make yourself a big tree, because then you will get a lot of wind, and then your leaves will fall <laughs> off. So, and, and now I'm older, I've, I'm having doubts in my cultural belief, like, if I'm, like, being modest is definitely not helping me networking or building my own brand, so how do you find that balance? Mm -hmm. Great question. I get to teach about breaking down the cultural barriers uh, to bring people together. So for my Asian friends, Asian American friends, and other uh, cultures where we are taught to be modest, and Sandra mentioned this, you gotta toot your own horn. You have to break that down to to be in this society, to be in this culture where you live every day, where you work every day, you've got to realize, if I don't toot my own horn, who will? Mm -hmm. While the Asian cultures may be saying something like, well, your mother's taught you, and what my mother's and my grandmother taught me, is that when you are the nail that sticks out and you get hammered down, you get hammered down big time. Here, in the Western culture, the squeaky wheel 
gets the grease. So you've got to learn how to be the squeaky wheel mm -hmm. without being annoying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And on so that much. note, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and I just want to say one thing before the panel leaves. Um, I do want to offer congratulations to both Sandra and Manali. They are both award winners, Managerial Leadership Pioneer Award. So you'll be seeing them. So fantastic, ladies. And thank you all very much. Don't forget Dottie's seminar. I may just jump over there myself um, as thank well. You. And thank you all so very much for coming out. I hope you're leaving feeling inspired and ready to take on the next couple of days and good luck as you continue to be successful in your career. Have a good evening. Thank you for listening to the Alumni Welcome Reception, a professional development seminar featuring trustee for Tuskegee University, Norma Clayton, global manufacturing chief engineer for performance vehicles for General Motors, Sandra McNeil, Director of Engineering and Technology for Quicken Loans, Manali Sapri, and the founder and CEO of Transpacific Communications, Dottie Lee. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Women of Color STEM Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.womenofcolor.net. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.